You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Take your copy of God's Word and find the Gospel of John, the, the 12th chapter. Gospel of John, the 12th chapter. I do want to draw your attention back to, I mentioned those visitor cards. At the, at the end of our preaching, we give a, uh, an opportunity at the end of the day to, to, to share with me a decision that someone may make for Christ. Uh, um, over the last several weeks, I've been doing that a little differently. I, I um, feel like that as we sing the word, as we hear the word, and as we sing, it is a a great time to respond, but I have, uh, over the last several weeks, have been kind of turning and, and singing with you as a, a way that we sing the words uh, and responding in our heart. I, I just, I know a lot of times I've done it differently. We'd sing a couple of verses, and I'd look at Joy. Y'all didn't know we had these subtle little, you know. Uh, we, you know, sing two verses, and we do the invitation, and we were just worshiping myself one day, and I said, you know what? It almost does an injustice to, I think, our, our service today. We, we, Saying the word, we're preaching the word, and I think we ought to sing as a, as a time of response. But in doing so, I think people have said, well, the, the preacher's not down there. What if I need to get saved? Well, you don't get saved down here. You get saved the moment you realize you need to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. But I would love for you to come share that with me at the end of our service. Uh, so I, 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 I'm going to preach, and, and as we sing, I'm going to stand down there and sing with you. Uh, but if you're with us and, and you know that you need to share a decision with me, you just walk down there, and I'm going to see you come. If you're not comfortable walking forward in that way to, 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 during that time of response, what I was saying earlier, take one of these cards and write your name and information. You can write on the back saying, Pastor, I, th- I know today I opened up my heart to Lord Jesus Christ, and as we were singing, he's able, I realize he's able. And you put that in my hand, and I guarantee you, you're going to get a phone call from me, or we'll talk before you leave, and we'll talk about what it means to be baptized and, and what it means to live as a Christian. So uh, just because I'm not standing down there looking at you during a time of invitation, your decision for Christ is a real decision, and it is a personal decision, and it's one that everyone should make. You'll understand why I'm going through all this once you hear the message. Today is the day of salvation for some of you. Uh, Jesus Christ, and and, I'm getting ahead of myself, said, hey, the light is with you, and and you need to come to Christ. And so we may not do an invitation like we we have in the past, or we may may be from a different background, but if you're sitting under the Word of God and you know you need to profess your faith in Christ in a public way, at the end of our preaching and our singing, you come and find me. Even if it's not after, if it's after the song and everyone's dismissed, you come and find me. And I'd love to talk with you about what it means to profess that faith in Christ, especially through baptism. So take your Bible, 
John chapter 12, beginning there in verse 36. Before I read the text, I want to kind of give some background of kind of what is going on here. In the previous verses, which I will read, Jesus has declaimed, hey, I'm the light, and the light is only going to be here for a little while longer, and you need to to walk in that light and believe the light, and you need to, to live in that light. But yet we know that they rejected the light. That they, they heard what Christ said and, and yet they rejected. But yet, here's the great thing about this. In their rejection, Jesus died on the cross. So as crazy as that may sound, because of their rejection, Jesus Christ died on the cross. This section also conveys throughout Scripture. Everywhere we read in Scripture, you can almost see this this underlying story. Already, not yet. Already, not yet. In the Old Testament, there's this already of of the the nation of Israel and the Old Covenant, but it's that not yet fulfilled in Christ. We're going to read in Isaiah, and and Isaiah is prophesying to the nation of Israel that there's going to be a day of judgment, but yet not yet complete until Christ comes. There's this already and a not yet. There's this already that Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, but not yet fully manifested because it's before the cross. And even us, there's this already that we are one in Christ, but not yet fully revealed until we abide with Christ forever and so we see this underlying tone throughout scripture this already but yet not yet and probably where I'm going to be pulling from or where I am going to be pulling from the text today in these words we see a great picture of what faith is and what faith is not I mean why did Jesus come He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give life, and he came to give life more abundantly. So faith is, what do we do with that information? Do we believe it? Do we trust in it? Do we follow after him? What do we do with Christ? What do we do with the gospel? That's what faith is. And we see from the text this morning that there's different types of faith. But there's only one true faith, and that's salvific faith when we truly understand what Christ has done for us. So take your copy of God's Word, and I'll begin reading there, verse 36. John chapter 12, verse 36. While you you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed, and he hid himself from them. Unique statement, but he hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet of Isaiah might be fulfilled. We're going to look at that in a moment, but it's Isaiah 53, 1. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the Lord God been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, and this is coming from Isaiah chapter 6, He has blinded their eyes, he has hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Great picture of the already not yet. He is speaking them things about about God and his glory, but he is speaking in Isaiah 53 at his prophecy 
And the suffering servant, the already as he was speaking in reference to the Lord, but in essence the not yet is, Isaiah is talking about a risen Savior, an exalted Savior, Jesus Christ. Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory and he spoke of him. Verse 42, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Think about those words for a moment because the, the entire public ministry of Jesus Christ, he is prophecy, not prophecy, he is exclaiming, I am God. I am the great I am. And they, they believed in God, they just didn't believe he was God. And Jesus is saying, you believe in me, but you don't believe in me who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. Jesus did not come to judge. He came to save. Don't miss this. But when he comes again, he will judge. And what he will judge by is the word that we have. How do we respond to the word that we had will be what we will be judged by. So he didn't come to judge, he came to save, but when he comes again, then he will come as a judge based on the word and how we responded to it. For I've not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment. What to say, what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And I pray that we would listen, that we would open up our mind, and we would open up our heart to hear from you. And so we thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you that we can see the light. We thank you, Lord, that we do not have to walk in darkness and that, Lord, you are able to accomplish all that you said that you would do. And this we pray and rejoice in. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Some underlying things I think are important as we look at these, this text. Literally, it is a conclusion to his public ministry. His public ministry out in the open is coming to a conclusion. The, the end of verse chapter 12 is Jesus' conclusion to his ministry publicly. From chapters 13 to 17, the rest of his time is spent in the upper room. 
It is spent with the disciples. It is preparing them for Calvary. It is preparing him for that week of passion. Chapter 18 begins the journey to the cross. And so the public ministry is coming to a conclusion. That is why it says in verse 35, while the light is with you. And then it segues it. He hid himself. He was, he was removing himself from the public spotlight so that he could pour his life into the life of the disciples for a few days before he heads to the cross. These words are here also because I, I didn't, never thought about this until I was studying the text and reading the text. What if we were reading this text and we, we, we get to this, this point and say, okay, Jesus' earthly ministry is over. But nobody believed him. Nobody got saved. Wow, Jesus failed. He lived 30 years and walked the earth and their own religious people wouldn't follow him. And so this text reminds us, oh, God hadn't failed. Jesus didn't miss his calling. Everything is according to God's wonderful loving plan of redemption. But to me, as I looked at this text, it is a message of faith. What do we do with Jesus? That's a great question to ask. What do we do with Jesus Christ today? That day he stood before them and says, what do you do with me? I'm the light. Do you believe that? Do you believe who sent me, where I am from, who is my father? Do you believe what I came to do? Do you believe the mission that I have been sent on? Do you believe what that means to you? That's what Jesus is saying to these, the crowd, the religious leaders who he is, where he's from, what he came to do, what that means to them. You could apply that today. Who Jesus is, where did he come from, who is he, what does that mean to you and I? That's the question. What do we do with Jesus Christ? What do we do with the message of redemption? There's three faiths I think we'll see in this text. There's a no faith. There's a who knows faith. And there's a true faith. Let's look at the word. That first section there in in chapter 12, beginning in verse 37 and and 41, it's it's a no faith. Now think about that. If you go back, I should have, Jotted this down, maybe in my margin. I was trying to remember when Jesus began his, his intentional public ministry. I want to say John five or six, or he, he stayed in the in the open preaching and teaching his discourse. Those many chapters, all the think about the seven miracles. Think about all the miracles. Think about all the the sermons. Think about all the discourses. I mean, I sit there and think about myself. I'm probably kind of hard on myself sometimes, and I sit there thinking, dear Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, help us to have so little faith that he raised the dead and we still doubt who he is. 
Can you imagine the religious leaders? I mean, if I would be around, I would call a timeout and run into the scene. That'd be pretty, wouldn't it? Are you stupid? He raised, come here, Lazarus. He was dead and stinking and in 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 a tomb. And he had his grave clothes on. And because he is who he says he is, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And he is alive. And you're telling me you can't believe that? That's the same message today. He has done everything that he said he would do. If we sit here and acknowledge that Jesus Christ raised the dead and we amen the story of Lazarus, amen, raise the dead, and yet we will not trust him to forgive us of our sins and to control our life and to yield to his lordship, we are no different than these religious leaders that are denying who Jesus Christ is. No faith. No faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he accomplished and what he has come to do and what that means to you and I. The Lord always being true to his word. Like I said, all of scripture points toward Jesus. All of scripture, I I, I came across uh, one of my favorites is Danny Aiken. In all of scripture, Jesus is the hero of the Bible. All of Scripture points toward Christ. And we understand what this no faith looks like when we're quoted from Isaiah. Take your, the word there, look at Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah, find Isaiah, find Psalm and go write a few books. This unbelief. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John has shown us that it, Jesus Christ, all he came to do is to fulfill what Scripture has already said. Look at you, Will, at Isaiah. We see right there in verse uh, 38 of John, Lord, who has to believe what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That is a, a quote from Isaiah 53. So look at Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed, who has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? If we look at this scripture, and we see in this in, in Isaiah 53, it is the passage of scripture that we know so affectionately as the passage of the suffering servant. Here is where the Jews missed it. They would have been people of the word of God and people of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah plainly says in scripture, this is what will happen when the Messiah comes. I'm going to read Isaiah 52 in verse 13 through 53 verse 7. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and he shall be exalted. As many as were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred. It was beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of a child of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For what he has been told, then they see. And what the which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed? what he has heard from us and to whom has the Lord God been revealed for he grew up before you like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground we see the prophet 
Isaiah the prophet talking about the Messiah. He's going to be born as a stump in the root of the ground. He's going to be born so insignificant, so insignificant that this coming Messiah, let's just say hypothetically, will be born to a virgin that's not even married and there won't be any place for him in the end. And let's just say hypothetically, he's going to be of so lowly standard, he's going to be born in a stable where animals belong. How about that for a hypothetical? And Isaiah prophesied that. And the religious leaders would have been aware of that, but they were so blinded that they couldn't see Jesus Christ standing in front of them. He was despised, and he was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. And he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How about that? That's what John is quoting. Who's heard this as it has been revealed to you? You know who the Messiah is. You know that there is coming a day. You know that he must give his life for the life of others. You know that this is going to be a, a suffering servant. Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, now look at Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is the calling of Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet. Look at Isaiah 6 verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah says, Here I am, I'll go for you. And he said, Go and say this to the people. And this is a a word of judgment. God is telling Isaiah, go tell the people of Israel that there's a coming judgment for their sin against my holiness. You go and you share with my people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of the people dull. And their eyes heavy, blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the city lie waste. Isn't that amazing? Isaiah's sitting there going, who will go? And I says, I'll go. What do you want me to say? Say this. How long do I say it? Until I lay them in waste. This is what is going on. God says, I need to send somebody. Isaiah said, I'll go, but I have unclean lips. I'll purify your lips. But you go and you tell this message, I hate sin. And all sin is against my holiness and my righteousness. And I am judging the nation of Israel because they have disobeyed me and they have not followed me and they have not lived according to my standards and my holiness. And Isaiah said, Lord, how long do I tell this this message of judgment and sin? And God says to Isaiah, until all sin is taken care of. Woo. Jesus says, I am the light. Walk in me and you will not walk in darkness. 
We don't believe that. And John, John's probably in the background saying, that's right, you don't believe in it because you're just like the nation of Israel that Isaiah prophesied. You can't believe it. You can't understand it. You are so dead in your trespasses and sin, you're never going to believe it. That's pretty good preaching, isn't it? Isaiah and John knew what was going on. This is what's going on. You don't believe him, but it's not on him. You don't believe him, it is on you. You can't hear. You can't see. You'll never understand. That's good Old Testament preaching right there. I was sitting there, to, you know, I got a headache. You ever get a headache, a theological headache? Let me find my spot. Still in Isaiah, I'm over. I'll be camped out in Ezekiel here in a minute. When, look at verse 36. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs, John 12. We're back to John. Go back to 12. John 12. New covenant. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe. This is what, boy. I got to look at this. I got all excited. They would not believe. They wouldn't believe. Why wouldn't they believe? Because they're blinded because of sin. They're dead. For all have what? Sin and do what? Fall short of what? The glory of God. That's what sin is. That's what blinds us to, to the realities of the gospel of Jesus Christ is sin. They would not believe in Jesus Christ because of their sin. They would not believe. Jesus said, come unto me. I will not come. If you come, you will receive. I'm not going to do it. Verse 39. This is where the headache started. Verse 39. Therefore they what? Could not believe. Would not believe. Could not believe. Could not believe. Would not believe. God told Isaiah, I am giving them over to what they want. Death. Sin. You ever met that person that maybe grew up going to church a few times and would talk to you about things of the Lord but never make a profession of faith to never go back to church ever again? You ever known that person that you could talk to about some simple things of the gospel and they seem to be attentive to it and then all of a sudden they just totally remove themselves from all things to the Lord and a lot of times we struggle with that and we wonder what's going on. I can tell you what's going on. They're dead and they're trespassing in sin and they are blind to the goodness of the gospel and they would not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they cannot believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to scare us to death. That God says they could not believe. That they would not believe. That, if you don't think sin comes with a cost. See, we take sin and we play with it. We think it's kind of cute and, well, my sin, your sin. Sin today. Take TV, for instance. I'm on a little pet pee with TV right now. True story. Talking to my grandmother way years ago, I remember I wasn't dialoguing with my grandmother. 
but I remember hearing my grandmother talk about Elvis. We don't do that in public. What did Elvis do? He, I'm not even going to do it. He gyrated on the Ed Sullivan show. We don't do that. Flash forward to today. We do that in church now. We get the tambourine girls in church now. We used to couldn't do it on Ed Sullivan. See, that's what sin does. It blinds us to what is right and what is moral and what is pure. And we lose total reality of what God's holiness is all about. And we take our standards and we drop them so low and we compare what is right and wrong, kind of what everybody else is right and wrong. And God says, why don't you use the goodness and the, and the, and the, the clarity of my word as the standard of my holiness and my righteousness? Then you make your decisions. No faith, would not believe, could not believe. But yet they would not believe and yet they could not believe. This is where it gets good. They would not believe, they could not believe, they could not believe, they would not believe. In order that, in this setting, they would arrest Jesus and put him on the cross. God using their disobedience that one day will be the judge over their soul in order to accomplish his perfect will of a smitten, suffering servant dying on the cross. No faith. There's a second faith. It won't take us quite as long to unpack. Look at verse forty. Nevertheless, many even authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess, so they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. I just simply call this, who knows? Who knows faith? We know that Nicodemus came out of the religious leaders and ended up giving Jesus the tomb, and he seemed like a pretty nice guy, I and mean, he gave Jesus his tomb, and we, you know, was Nicodemus the one that came in John chapter 3? We know all these things, but who knows? And I don't know. I tend to say no faith. If I don't know what type of, who knows? They, they said they believed something. And I'm like, my goodness, this is the church in America today. Who knows faith? Who knows? Who knows? I believe this is Jesus. But I'm not going to talk about it. And I'm not going to change my life for it. But it's just, it's a convenient Jesus. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is today. This is the church in the United States today. We'll be packed here on Easter. And it is going to do everything I can do to be nice while I preach. Y'all don't know that struggle. Y'all, people look at me and say, why does he say that every Easter? Because I will stand up here and go, la, la, la. where have you been all year? Come in here with that nice little hat on and your little $2 tip to God and an offering and then you're going to see you Christmas. Good to have you with us. See the struggles I go through. Pray for me. I was sharing that in the deacons meeting many years ago and I'll never forget Jim Pitts will come up and put his arm around me. Brother, just be excited. They're here once. I said, I'm trying to. 
But I don't even, what, what, who does that? Sharon, I love you. I'll see you in April and December. <laughs> I mean, who does that? But that is the, here, here's the dilemma we have. Take your calendar out. Find a Sunday you're not busy and we'll see you. Oh, me. Annie Armstrong Christmas offering. We got all the bills paid. We got any money left over? Maybe we don't need to go out to eat this week, and maybe we'll give God $5 for church planners. Well, bless your heart. We'll give $5 to a church planner that was willing to leave their home and career to go plant a church so you don't get your Big Mac this week. What kind of faith is that? I'm going to keep on so everybody be mad at me before you go home today. This is shotgun preaching. I'm, hit, I'm aiming at everybody. That is the world Matt and I live in. Who knows, Faith? Who knows? I hear something. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hanging on it. You don't know how bad we want to believe saving faith as a minister. We want to know people are truly saved, but we can't figure it out. We say that we know Christ, but if we talk too much about it, we may get thrown out of the synagogue. Well, I'm going to sit there and say, well, you need to be willing to forsake everything to follow Christ. How can that be true saving faith? I was reading commentators. We don't know. Were they saved or not? We don't know. Please tell me when I die one day that somebody won't have to stand up and go, who knows? Could you imagine me doing that in a funeral service? On behalf of the family, we want to welcome you to the service today. We are here to remember Billy Bob. <laughs> Who knew? I'd be run out of town on a rail, wouldn't I? Who knows? That's what's so sad to me. Who knows? Now, don't miss this. <laughs> Verse 44. Now, Luke tells us that Jesus cried and wept uh, after the triumphant entry, so we don't know. It could be that John is putting this here, but notice what Jesus, verse 44, we'll, we'll close with this. Jesus cried. Think about that. Can you imagine the anguish? He's God, but he's God in the flesh. He's a, he's a man. It, it's, that, it's that tension, God in the flesh, but he's God. We see the, the real side of a man, but yet he's a, a sinless man. He cried. And he says, you know, I, gave, I, I left heaven, and I lived a perfect life, and I know what awaits me. I know, I know what's coming. I've... I've done miracles, I've preached sermons, I've poured my life, I'm God. And he cried out and he said, this could be an exhortation, it could be some weeping, it, he cried out, whoever believes in me, believes in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. We have no faith, we have who knows faith, and we got true faith. See, the religious leaders were saying they were standing up for God and doing God's work. 
How dare you blasphemy Moses? How dare you say this? How dare you say that? He is against the things of God. He needs to be crucified. He needs to do this. We stand for God. Jesus saying, when you, you know me, you know my Father sent me. He who believes in me. When you think about when we believe in Jesus, it goes beyond a, a history. Think about it. It's not a historical figure. All the isms in the world, the false religions, say there's a Jesus historical figure. Oh, he's not a historical figure. He's God. And only God can forgive us of sin. That's why there's only one way, and that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. All those other gods, all those other isms, they cannot provide redemption. Only Jesus Christ can. And we believe in Christ, we believe in God. There's not many gods, there's a God. He said, if you believe in me, I have come into the world as light. That is pure, that is giving direction, that is showing a purpose. That whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. But he will come and he will judge. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words, that's why it's important that we understand that we receive. Look at John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to who did receive him, John 1, 12, those that did receive him and those that did believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In verse 50, I know that his commandment is eternal life. I wrote in my Bible just after after the words. I'm always kind of writing stuff in my Bible. True faith, we believe who Jesus Christ is. And we believe that he died so that our sins may be forgiven. And it says in verse 48, if we receive his words and the word I've spoken would judge him, is we reject his words, if we receive his words, so I believe but also come to Christ. I obey Christ, I I follow Christ, I don't reject it, I I come to Christ. It's kind of like I call Jesus blinder zone. Salvation takes place when you realize none of this matters and you don't care what you need to do, you come to Christ. You don't worry about everything else, you're not concerned about everything else. It'd be like me that day up in the balcony at 12 years of age. I didn't care about anything else other than giving my life to Jesus Christ. Nothing else mattered. So if you're here today and everything else matters, you need to put on the Jesus blinders and come to Christ. You need to believe that he is who he says he is, and you need to come to him, because if we do not come to him, we walk in darkness. And if we do not come to him, we have what we call eternal judgment. The last few seconds of his public ministry before he pours his life in the upper room and those disciples, and immediately we go into the room with the disciples. He said it's still about faith. There's no faith. There's this superficial faith. And then there's true faith. I wonder how many of us in here this morning need to experience and embrace true faith. 
that we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to forsake our sin. We need to repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ. And we need to come to him and walk in the light and have the blessings of eternal life. That's a, the great thing I think of us is we think about, well, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to be in heaven. I, I know heaven's not this side. We can never make heaven this side of heaven. We don't ever need to try to make life perfect down here. But what I try to remind myself, regardless of what is going on around me, all the stuff I don't want going around, going on around me that is going on, I still have eternal life. A life of hope and peace and purpose and light began the minute I repented of my sin and I placed my faith in Christ. I wonder how many of us need to do that this morning. I don't know how many are around here, but I know the world that we live in. There's a lot of no faith, and there's an awful lot of who knows faith. Who knows? But I can tell you this, I know. I know that I've repented of my sin and placed my faith in Christ, and I'm not perfect, and I'm still a work in progress, but I'll be willing to say this, I know that Jesus Christ is the master and Lord of my life. And my greatest desire is to live and to please him. Can you say that? We are going to sing in just a moment. As we sing, I want you to contemplate that. We're singing this morning on our faith finding that resting place. Has your faith found that resting place? As we begin to sing in a moment, even as we're singing, you might just want to walk down. I'm going to be standing on this front pew singing just like everybody else. You may be here this morning and you know that you need to talk to someone about true saving faith. You know that you're a believer. Maybe you've come to know Christ as we've been gathering to this point and you say, man, I, I'm going to go tell the pastor so that I can talk about being baptized and joining the church. I've got to tell somebody before I explode. Well, you come tell me. If you're here this morning and you know that you need to talk to me, even after we sing, I'm going to be standing around. No faith, and who knows faith? To walk straight out that door and never change. True faith to understand who Jesus is and begin to live for him. Let's stand as we pray.